Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Around the Emirates podcast, where I speak to guests across the UAE about topics you want to hear about. Today, I am joined by special guest David, who is the founder of Sober Lifestyle Coaching, a company which helps members of society along their journey to recover from addiction. Hi, David. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for welcoming me. It's lovely to be here. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me. I think that you are someone who can make a big difference in our society, not just in the UAE, but across the world. I know that you're also uh, based in the UK. So please tell me your story and why you were inspired to start this company. Oh, bless you. Well, I'll try and keep it brief because my story is 57 years long, uh, which is my age. Uh, so let, let, let's go back to the beginning. Um, I'm actually Canadian. I was born in Vancouver, but uh, I grew up in the UK. Uh, so I came to the UK when I was five and I lived in the south of England, an area called Somerset. And the truth was that even from a, an early age, I think I realized I was different. Um, I didn't fit in. I didn't feel connected to other people. And all my friends at school, they were all popular and easygoing. And I just wasn't like that. Um, the other interesting fact is that my father was an alcoholic. Um, now, I don't really remember noticing that. I don't remember him drinking, but I do remember him being angry and violent. And I think I grew up a little bit in fear, or maybe a lot in fear, actually. And mm -hmm. I think that sort of carried around with me. So as I was growing up, I was sort of this timid, shy, confused young man. And that continued until about the age of 11, which is when I found alcohol. Even at the age of 11, I would go to the nearest pub with my friends and we would drink at the weekend. And How? it's quite astonishing. Well, the thing is that I, you can't tell, but I'm six foot six. I'm nearly two meters tall. Oh, wow. And at the age of 11, 12, I think I was six foot two and I didn't weigh very much, but I went to this pub and we used to drink and I used to get drunk. And I think in my teenage years, I realized that alcohol helped me get over my social anxiety because I think that's what it was. I sort of look back now. Mm. I mean, obviously, as a teenager, you, you don't really know why you feel the way you feel. Mm. But I felt very different. But when I went out, if I had some alcohol, I was funnier. I could talk to women. I thought that I was somebody a bit different. And that's sort of the way it continued, really. And I went to university. I studied nuclear physics. Uh, I got a job working as a software engineer. Uh, I wrote software uh, for the military. Then I worked in banking. And I lived in Switzerland and the USA. And I had had lots of different careers i've had five different careers and the truth was that i guess that you would call me now a functioning alcoholic so in all those years i was always a heavy drinker so even at right. university alcohol became part of the thing that i relied on so i was definitely somebody that would say oh i work hard and i play hard and i deserve to go out and party and have a good time mm. um, but i think i recognized even in my early 20s that I didn't have an off switch. And, and I think that that's something that's probably quite common to alcoholics, which is, first of all, uh, we can't stop when we start. So for me, there was never enough. So when all my friends would say, oh, it's 11 o'clock, I'm going home, I would be looking for the guy that was still at the bar that wanted to go on a bit further. And the other thing is that if I did try to stop drinking, I couldn't stay stopped. And that's probably another good indicator of somebody who might have problems with their relationship with alcohol which is you know these fundamental questions that we might want to ask ourselves which is 
the basic question I ask is, is alcohol your friend? You know, a really simple thing, which is, again, that people say, well, I deserve a drink and I've had a hard day at work and I like to have alcohol. And and I think, you know, my journey through life was that I always had alcohol around me. I worked really right. hard. I think I worked out very soon in my first career that I couldn't get drunk during the week. Um, and at that stage, I had some control. But certainly on a Friday and a Saturday, the breaks were off and I, I was yeah. away. And that was pretty much the way that, that things went for me. So I had these different careers. I moved around the world. Uh, but I always found my tribe, my gang of people that wanted to go and party a lot. And that was my lot. And that was my life. Um, but the truth was that what underpinned me was still this feeling of being an alien, not really connecting with people. Um, I think I'm a very logical person. Um, I'm a mathematician. I remember as a boy, I used to think in, in terms of mathematics and we would do uh, mental arithmetic and it was really fast. I didn't have to think of the answer. But so logical things, computer programs, uh, working in Excel spreadsheets, all that sort of logic was really easy for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but human beings, interactions, conversations. So I, I even find still to, to this day, if I'm having a conversation with somebody, I tend to find I interrupt too much because I don't get those social cues that other right. people have that they read I, I don't think I'm great at reading people but I sort of learned to cope with that so if you imagine this journey of of still being I guess secretly awkward um but going on this journey of relying on alcohol to make me feel better mm. and and I think that lots of people find that they find yeah. that it becomes becomes their crutch it's the thing that they rely on. And of course, in those early years, um, it was harmless. Um, there would be moments, of course, where catastrophic things would happen. Uh, and I asked people, my clients, to, to look out for things called UBIs, um, which are unexplained beer injuries. So if you go out and you come back covered in bruises, that might be a good indicator that your drinking has gone to a bit of excess. So you have accidents. Um, mm. Now, what's interesting, actually, is about alcoholism, um, and we might talk about uh, lots of other addictions, maybe, which is that the thing about alcoholism is, is that um, I don't want to be uh, depressing, but I just want to talk about the impact on people, which is you might be surprised to find out that the number one cause of death for alcoholics is not liver cirrhosis or pancreatitis or disease. It's actually falling over. More people falling die over? through falling over more people die who are alcoholics through falling through a glass coffee table falling down the stairs falling into the road in front of a moving vehicle and if you think about it they're so drunk they fall over so the people that eventually die if they're an alcoholic of liver cirrhosis they've they've sort of missed out all of the accidents that tend to kill off everybody else so yeah alcoholism wow. is mostly about falling over um, you know, if, if you die. But certainly the statistics for the impact of alcohol, I think the, the global average, if you, if you read the statistics from the WHO, the World Health Organization, I think it's about 5% of all deaths have significantly been changed with, the, with alcohol. They've, they've impacted a number of deaths. So, okay, so having said that, and that's a crazy figure and crazy fact that you just told me about the falling over thing that didn't even occur to me. I mean, I yep. can understand it just didn't occur to me. 
Um, yep. Having said that, I would imagine that you learned this through your own experiences, if I'm not mistaken, and you that's what led you to starting your company. So tell me about the journey of, uh, you don't have to go into too many details if, if you don't want to, but I'd love to know there's... how you actually were inspired to start the company and like what your mindset okay. was at the time. Yeah, bless you. Yeah, I, forgive me. I can waffle on all day and talk talk about that's my, totally my fine. Past. That's the point of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, well, why am I in Dubai? Okay, well, the the truth of my journey was that um, addiction is insidious and progressive. It always gets worse, and it, it gets to the point where we we talk about having a rock bottom, which is a moment where you decide you've had enough. Now, mm -hmm. that unfortunately for me. Um, I had a, I started a company that was hugely successful and I made an awful lot of money. And the trouble is that I wasn't the sort of person that made good choices. And if you give me a lot of money, I'm going to make some really bad choices. And, uh, you know, they all came home to roost. Uh, I can be honest and tell you that I developed a cocaine habit. Um, I had so much money. I would fly around on private jets and go on holidays. And I had this on the outside. People would look at me and say, gosh, you're so successful. You've got a McLaren and a Ferrari and you drive around, but inside it was absolutely broken. I mean, really, wow. it was a real mask that I was pretending that I was okay. Um, and the other thing is that I want to talk about the consequences of addiction. This is another thing for people to look at if they're concerned about their drinking or drug habits or other behaviors like gambling. You know, what are the consequences to your life and the one and loved ones around you? Mm -hmm. So for me, the consequences got too great. And uh, I ended up going into a rehab, uh, but it didn't work because I wouldn't listen, because I wouldn't be told I'm somebody who won't be told. And I went through 10 years of, of hell and uh, I went in and out. 10 of years so, of, of cocaine addiction? 10 years of cocaine addiction, alcohol addiction, gambling addiction. Uh, I lost just an inordinate amount of money. I was divorced twice. Um, I lost my business. And we, we talk about these things as the yes. If you go into a, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and let's mm -hmm. imagine that you you're the you go along because you've never been before and you want to find what it's like. And we end up comparing ourselves to other people. So next to me, I've got Brian. And Brian says, oh, I've taken heroin. I've been arrested. I've been to prison. And yeah. you think in your head, gosh, I'm not as bad as him. Mm -hmm. I haven't been arrested. I haven't been arrested yet. I haven't crashed my car yet. I haven't been divorced yet. And they're called the yets. And we yeah. say that if you hang around long enough, you're going to start to tick off the yets. And that's what happened with me until finally I, I genuinely had had enough. And I think that I, I've done lots of reading and research, and I'm very interested in about this, which is what's the moment that somebody gives up? And I think that there's an emotion attached with that because we might feel lonely or sad or fed up or worried or anxious or all those emotions. But I think the one that makes the difference is disgust. I think the moment that we're disgusted with ourselves is the moment you say I'm done. Mm. And that's normally because of an event. So eventually um, I got clean and sober. I went back to rehab and I had my moment of disgust uh, where I just couldn't believe the way I behaved. My marriage was um, in the toilet. Uh, I was living on my own and I thought I need to do something um, because I tried to take my own life several times quite seriously. And there was a moment one night where I was going to try and take my life again. And I thought, what on earth am I doing? And it was almost like there was a, a religious moment where there was a voice. So I decided that I needed to do anything and everything. And that was a number of years ago. And I put all of my work into recovery. I took some training. I worked in the rehab 
that got me clean and sober. I volunteered for two years and then I worked there for a year. And then finally, I decided to come to the UAE. Um, I'd been traveling to Dubai for about 20 years. Uh, I had some businesses when I was successful. I'd been around Dubai and my wife and I were talking about, you know, what is it that I'd like to do? And I can only call it a calling. I felt that I wanted to come to the UAE. And, and I often say this to stress. I didn't come to the UAE because somehow they're worse or they've got a bigger problem or no, 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 it's, it's not that at all. I haven't come to the UAE to, to make waves. I've come to hold hands. And it's because I think that where there are people, there will be addiction. And I think that I would like to come and try and make a difference. And the reason is that deep down here, it's about self-worth. Some people gave me a lot of time and help and helped me get well. And there's there's almost a duty, but a joy in helping the next person. You know, we call it paying it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to try and help the next person because if I don't do that, who's going to be there for them? And, you know, the other thing is that it does give me self-worth to see people get well. Of course. And that's, that's the sort of world, Sarah, that I would like to live in. I really would like to live in a world where people are kind and helpful and supportive. And look, I can't look on the outside and say, I wish that world existed if I don't do it myself. And that's why I started Sober Lifestyle Coaching. So uh, I work with clients who have typically alcoholism, drug addiction, or gambling addiction. But of course, there's an awful lot more, and probably in the last 20 years, a lot more addiction, uh, things like uh, day trading, cosmetic surgery, social media the internet gaming no um... i see so it's a variety of addictions that you handle not necessarily just like one or two types that's interesting to hear um typically yeah what would you say i mean of course this is not your conventional kind of business right this isn't you know a a real estate company or you know an (laughs) architecture kind of company yes i feel like you are starting something that not a lot of people have heard of especially in this region did you not worry or were you not concerned about the risks of coming to Dubai with a company like this? Yeah, very interesting. Well, of course, I'm a gambling addict. So taking risk is a word. But no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an active gambling addict. Oh, but I think, I'm a, I think I'm a calculated risk taker. But the truth is, um, I remember years ago, I was offered a job to go to New York. And there was a moment I thought, shall I go or shall I not go? And there was something inside me that said, listen, if you go and it's rubbish, you can come home. And it's as simple as that. I, I don't think I fear these things. And I've I've traveled and, and moved and lived in different countries a few times now. But I think I felt I wanted to go. But I think, you know, the biggest challenge I had, and that, that's sort of what you're signposting here. And it's a great question, because the truth is, for all things, you don't know what you don't know. OK, so you turn up. And I'm quite willing to go on the journey of discovery because the truth is that I've learned it's not the destination anymore. It's the journey. It's who you meet, what you talk about, the things you learn, the the mistakes you make and, you know, the the joy that you you have in coming across people. You know, absolutely. I believe fundamentally I've I've got this uh, this notion of a higher power. So the 12 steps of AA talk about God, but it's really a relationship with a higher power. And um, my version of a higher power puts things in my way for a reason. Mm. And I honestly believe that my higher power puts uh, Sarah in my way for a reason. And that's the positivity that I like to believe in. 
So coming to the UAE to learn the way things work, what's different? What do I need to do? And in all honesty, I've absolutely found my niche. And only in literally in the last two, three weeks, I think I figured out why I'm in the UAE, actually. Wow. I'm I'm in awe of everything you're saying, David. And if anything, I'm so happy to invite you to do a second part of this episode. I feel like there's so much more that we need to talk about. And I'm going to end the episode here. And for all the viewers that are watching and listening to this episode, tune in next week for part two, and you'll hear much more about David's amazing story.